Welcome to the Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and this week we're going to be reviewing the 2017 film Elementary, uh, a Spanish, or sorry, a Basque film that is uh, directed by Paul Urquijo and uh, stars a number of other Spanish uh, Basque actors. Um, Brian, what, what's the best, what, do you understand the division between uh, Spanish and, or Spain and, and Basque country? Not entirely. It sounds like Basque country is on the border of Spain and France, and it's like a semi-autonomous region. Mm-hmm. I think the Spanish constitution grants them like a limited autonomy. And I think they're mostly just, defined by that language is this group of people that speak Basque um, mm-hmm. and yeah it's kind of a confusing and vague history like the language is really old but it's only this small chunk of people that speak it and it's it's not like I, I don't know if it's in danger of going extinct but it is not it is not a prominent language yeah it is very region specific and I think you're right probably uh getting overtaken uh, by spanish to some degree um do yeah. you think i wonder if it's like similar to what we have here in the u.s with like cajun uh the the cajun language down in new orleans or that area or creole uh that whole vibe yeah i'm not sure it, it could be i'm sure i mean it's definitely it's older than that i think it's a bit more politically complex too because i think they've had a lot of outside pressure from Spain and or France to not use Basque and to like use mm-hmm. the Spanish language. And they've kind of been a bit suppressed, like both the language and the people. Sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, like, uh, I think it was the Carlist Wars, uh, that were fought and there were a number of them and that might've had to do with like a civil war that shaped like the Basque country or, or like their fight for independence and a lot of, uh, where they are today. Yeah, I think the Carlist Wars took place between 1833 and 1873. And yeah, I think it was a, a series of civil wars during that time mm-hmm. in Spain. And yeah, I think after that, it sounds like there was like a big movement for Basque nationalism. Right. This one it, got kind of complicated in the research, man. I know. It's also, <laughs> it's also really cool when you can kind of learn some new history uh, from a horror film. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I've been to a Basque restaurant, so I, I think like their food and the culture and everything is like pretty different than your typical um, Spanish restaurant, which is... Yeah, it sounds like it. Like, I don't think the language is similar to Spanish. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of its own thing. Yeah. And and it, that was a good call on this one, because I started watching this, uh, and, the, and the movie is originally in Basque, but when you watch this one on Netflix, which is where, you know, I saw some of the previews for it and uh, where we picked it from... It's it defaults to the English uh, audio, which is awful and like really cheesy. Yeah, it's really bad, badly dubbed, bad voice <laughs> acting. Yeah, how is it so bad? <laughs> it's just really weird that they chose to do that because if you like go to watch Veronica, for example, like it defaults to Spanish mm-hmm. and English subtitles. Right. I don't know if they did that just because Basque is such a rare language or what, but I just would much rather watch a movie with subtitles in general. I agree. Like, otherwise, you're missing out on the whole acting uh, that's going on. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of like the, the Basque fight is, you know, get, get the language as a default to Netflix versus having it automatically be dubbed over in English. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this movie is a bit a, of a a big deal because I don't know that there's very many Basque language films that see any serious sort of distribution. Yeah, I saw this on a website that was very proud. It was like a Basque website and they were like really excited that this movie was coming out. It'd be like a feature length film on Netflix. So yeah, this this does seem like a big, uh, you know, way to get attention, awareness and get the Basque word out there. Yeah, for sure. It's a big deal. Yeah. And... Uh don't let any of the pooping on it that Ashwin or I may do <laughs> make it any less of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. N- none of it's going to have to do with the Basque, <laughs> the Basque country <laughs> at all. Uh, but so uh, the, the story of this is actually based on an old folklore, which I'm assuming is a, is a Basque folklore, uh, about a blacksmith who imprisons a demon uh, who he owes his soul to, and then a girl who kind of stumbles upon them in a town that 
comes upon this blacksmith that's holding this demon hostage and the story that unfolds from there. Uh, and apparently it's one of the oldest folklores in in uh, in Europe. Did, did you see that? Yeah, basically like a tale, a tale of a blacksmith and a devil. Um, it sounds like it has many different versions, so it's not always the same exact story, but it, they all seem to have a theme of a blacksmith selling his soul to the devil and then tricking the devil to get out of the deal. Those sneaky blacksmiths. I was tricking you those know. devils. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we all know one. Yeah. <laughs> a sneaky little blacksmith. Yeah, and, and I think in reading about this, uh, they talk about how like blacksmiths uh, have historically been, or in folklore, like portrayed to be um, people who are sometimes in association with the with demons or devils. Uh, so I, I think this story kind of plays on that trope. I don't I don't know if I knew that offhand though. Did Did you know about that? I didn't know that either, and I I think it can kind of make sense because like the fiery flames of like a blacksmith's forge and oh yeah, hell is always you know hot burning flames it, it the imagery is similar yeah that's a good point and and usually they're they're wearing black uh yeah or and like often forging weapons yeah yeah interesting do you, do, uh yeah is blacksmith still a pretty common trade today i would assume that it is like a dying trade and it's more of like an artisanal type thing now because I think what a blacksmith did in the past is probably more like converted to an assembly line production now. Yeah, probably all automated in factories with machines doing it now. Yeah, but I'm sure there are a handful of blacksmiths here in Asheville because it's very artsy, artisanal scene. I I know, I could see it making a reemergence with the whole hipster culture. Like I I see like wood making is is kind of a, a thing that a lot of people are getting into with a lot of classes on that. I feel like blacksmithing yeah. should be right up there. Woodworking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, working with that wood. <laughs> uh, I think you said wood making, which would be incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. You know, making making some wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, woodworking is is a popular one, and uh, and hopefully blacksmithing is gonna follow that up. Um, so yeah, it's it's based on an old folklore. Uh, I guess the film is considered a fantasy horror film which i don't know there's so many i think that fall into this genre like um, i mean i saw saw, like shape of water might be considered a fantasy horror film i I don't know there are others that you can think of maybe like pan's labyrinth yeah this this one reminded me a lot of pan's Labyrinth because i think pan's labyrinth takes place around a similar time too right it kind of talks about the spanish civil war and um maybe like 40 or 50 years in the future but kind of a similar setting right yeah, I mean, it's definitely a Spanish wartime setting, so... Yeah. I did see a lot of comparisons between this this movie and Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, any other genres you would put this in? Yeah, I guess that's about it. I mean, it's kind of like a dark fairy tale, like a Grimm's fairy tale type thing. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't even sure if it actually is a horror film as we... As, as I was, like, watching it and it kind of unfolded. Um, did you think it like stuck to horror at all? It is. I know I'm always a defender of calling things horror because I, I think anything that deals with <laughs> horror themes like themes hell horror. and demons is yeah, it's fair to call it horror. But yeah. um, but this one really didn't seem to be trying to scare you for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I, I have no problem calling it horror. But right. I feel like I'm always the one defending that against you, and I think I would be most likely to concede that to you in this movie. Like it, it really does. It it's more of like one of those like folktale, dark, dark fairy tale th- type things than it is horror. Even though those are horrifying stories a lot of the time. Do you notice how a theme in this is that? If you spill chickpeas everywhere, the <laughs> devil has to count them. Yeah, was that like Nosferatu maybe? Yeah, I think we talked about that in Vampire Mythology and Nosferatu. Yeah. Right. That, that was one of the 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 funnier elements in this movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. Somewhere in like old European folk beliefs, there's this belief of <laughs> you can ward off like evil 
beings by <laughs> spilling stuff out on the ground so that they have to count it. <laughs> yeah, that, that really cracks me up. That, that was one, one thing that uh, I appreciate about this film. Like, yeah, it was, it was fantasy horror. Maybe the horror side wasn't that, uh, you know, that prevalent. But there was like some comedic elements like that where they, they kind of had a good amount of fun with some of those uh, like old fables. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know if we mentioned this in the Nosferatu episode, but I think that's why the Count is the Count, like the Sesame Street character. Oh, yeah. They're like spoofing that that belief that vampires were doomed to Count. Oh, Count Dracula refers to his uh, mathematical abilities there. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Are all vampires considered Counts, though, or is that just the Sesame Street one? Uh, I mean, that is just, I think, I mean... Dracula is kind of mm-hmm. the godfather of all vampire stories and he's a count but yeah but well, no not all vampires are a count I mean a count is like a European title yeah like the count of Monte Cristo yeah yeah like a duke right yeah that's, that's a pretty cool title yeah what do you think it I'd takes count yeah what do you think it takes to become a count uh I don't know maybe an online class <laughs> you get certified online to become a count. <laughs> I feel like accountants should have that title for sure. I mean, you're you're an accountant, right? Yeah, maybe I should just put like <laughs> on your resume at the end of my name. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> CPA accounts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I like that title. That'd be pretty cool. They need to bring that back. I need more accounts in this world. <laughs> maybe with that hipster thing. Yeah. Hipster revival, blacksmiths and counts. Actually, <laughs> and counting, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this movie, uh, it just came out on Netflix, I feel like uh, a month ago or so. Uh, it came out in 2017. I don't know if it had a theatrical release, but um, I think it's the first full-length feature film by this director. Um, I didn't really recognize anyone in it, but did you, Brian? No, no, I think these are all people who are... I guess they are Basque people. Um, I don't know if they identify as Basque or Spanish or what, but it it seems pretty rare to speak Basque. So right, yeah. Everyone um, everyone always kind of defaults to like Spanish on on the descriptions, yeah. but yeah, they they could be Basque. Yeah. Um. And I think the guy or the company that distributed this is called Filmax International. They also distributed uh, Rec, the Spanish horror movie that Quarantine was based oh, on. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Any other background or points of interest for this movie? Um, Not really, except that I read that um, there's an art exhibit at the Guggenheims, one of the Guggenheims sister museums in Spain, that is kind of meant to, I think it's meant to be a metaphor for Basque culture of just like how it's kind of hidden away and uh, so few people know about it or understand it because of how obscure the language is. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, from what I can understand, it's like a series of LED lights that are scrolling words in English and then like behind them are Basque words that you like can barely see unless you inspect it very closely. Oh, cool. And the artist who designed that is Jenny Holzer from Galapolis, Ohio, Galapolis, who went to OSU. I, okay. Is Galapolis in Northeast Ohio? No, it's uh, Southeast, unfortunately, but this is the closest I could get. Yeah, that's pretty close. You're only like 100 miles off. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brian. <laughs> now, that's that's really good. So, so an artist from Ohio who went to OSU has an installment at the Guggenheim in, in New York or in Spain? In Spain. Oh, cool. I didn't know there was a Guggenheim in Spain. Yeah, I don't understand. It, sound, it looks like the Guggenheim has kind of sister museums around the country. I don't know if they're all called Guggenheim or, or how that works. Yeah, wow. But this one is called Guggenheim Bilbao. Okay. Oh, Bilbao. Probably mispronouncing Bilbao. It's a city in Spain. Yeah, yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah, I guess the Guggenheim is a franchise. It's just like, like McDonald's or something. Exactly. Yeah. Well, cool. Good. Nice connection there. I was, I was wondering how you were going to tie this one back. Does it, I, does it I, this was one of the ones where I completely forgot. I even had to do a connection and then started sweating. <laughs> nice. That's, that's a really good one, though. Back, back yeah. to our alma mater. Cool. All right. Well, uh, should we take a break and then talk about the 
plot and what happens in this movie? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, let's take a quick break. I'm going to check. I thought I heard a no- noise outside. It might be one of my bear traps. Uh, so let me go check that out, and then we'll get back to it. Ooh, good luck. All right, thanks. All right, Brian, I'm back. Yeah, what happened? Uh, well, so I've set these bear traps out in the the hallway of my uh, condo, uh, in the hallways, and uh, sometimes you know my dog like sure. runs out the door, and uh, she'll just get like stuck in it, but she keeps doing it like repeatedly, like she keeps forgetting they're out there. Good. I mean, clearly the dog is at fault. Yeah, clearly. I mean, <laughs> I, you think the first time, yeah, I understand it, but like two or three times of trying to escape and. <laughs> Which condo I thought, bear trap once shame on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that, so that, that was one of the funnier parts of the movies, I think. Uh, the the scene where the 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 this demon that who's who's being captured by the blacksmith he tries to escape like two or three times, and every time he like runs into the bear trap, which is cracked me up. Yeah, that's part of the the realization of like. It's kind of like that horror balloon deflating is that this demon is just kind of like an <laughs> airheaded dimwit. Yeah, exactly. I saw I saw some comparisons uh, between him and like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. And, and yeah, that that yeah. feels about right, but but not as clever as Gollum. Yeah. Okay. Are you a big Gollum fan or something? I'm not a big Gollum. F- well, yeah, sure. I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> But um, I feel like that makes this demon look good to compare him to Gollum. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a compliment to him. I I think you're right. I, yeah, he's he's kind of a, a dumb demon, and that kind of kills some of the scares off in this for the most part. Yeah, and it's weird coming into this movie because you, I almost wish I could watch it again, knowing what it is. But yeah. if you're expecting horror, you you you're wrong. Exactly. And I I was expecting horror. I mean, I read some reviews on it, and it, it like on on like horror websites, and they were like thrilled about it. And it sounded like it was going to be scary, but I don't know. I felt like I missed it the the scary part. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, so uh, the movie starts off uh, in nineteenth century, like around one of these uh, Carlist wars. Is that what they're called? Yes, Carlist. Carlist wars, and uh, so you have these prisoners that are being executed, and um, Suddenly, like this fog comes in, and uh, this one uh, prisoner like has gotten free or something and is running around. And then, like in the midst of like this fog, you see kind of like a devil with like a pitchfork. And then uh, one of these prisoners emerge and ends up killing like the guy who's like executing everyone. And uh, I think he like finds like a pot of gold at the same time. And uh, I think that's the end of that scene. Was there anything else? Yeah, I think maybe at the very beginning of the movie... Oh, no, never mind. Yeah, and, and this all kind of takes place eight years before the rest of the movie or so. Um, yeah. So it's yep. a bit of a flashback. But, yeah, but basically one of these prisoners got free. There's, like, the sighting of, like, the devil, uh, and then um, he, he kills uh, and escapes and with, with the gold. Um, and at this point, I still thought the movie was going to be scary because you see this demon with the, uh, the pitchfork in, in, like, in a haze. Yeah, and it was kind of an intense scene. Yeah. Um, oh, I think maybe never mind on my own never mind. Didn't this actually start with an animated intro? Oh, um, you're right. I think, well, the credits, were they, the, the intro credits, were they animated? Yeah, it was like um, a dark black screen with like red lines of animation of like hell. Oh, yeah. And it's like a slightly cheesy voiceover explaining like, this is a story about a blacksmith. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, there's kind of like some narration in the beginning. Um, yeah. uh, shoot. Not yeah. that we have to go scene by scene, but... Yeah, no, but I totally forgot about that. Uh, did that set the context anymore for the intro? I think it might help you realize what the tone of the movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, like a kind of story in a fairy tale. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so yeah, there's that intro, and then uh, we see this scene... And then uh, we jump to present day, well, which is still a long time ago, I think, probably 1800s or so. 
But it's eight years later after that incident, and uh, this government agent shows up to town. Uh, his name's Alfredo, and he's come to this village to investigate a forge. Uh, and he's you know asking around the the, the courthouse or sorry the, this like bar. He's asking around to see if anyone knows anything about where it is, and they're kind of warning him like it's not worth going out there. Uh, but he wants to go out there. Um, do you know what a forge is by any chance? A forge is essentially just, I think it's like the oven of like fire that a blacksmith uses to forge weapons or anything out of metal. Yeah. Because oh. you're molding the metal by making it really hot. So you have to like stick a sword into the forge to melt the metal and then shape it. Oh, okay. Okay. So this, this detective or this government agent is out to find this blacksmith and yep. the villagers tell him where to go. Uh, he goes out to the house, uh, or out to like this, you know, it's like really far outside town. It's got this gate that has like all these like uh, swords or like thorns kind of sticking out of it and like metal spikes. And it says, you know, it's, it's not a very inviting place. Uh, it looks pretty chained up and shut down. So he kind of goes there, sees it, and like goes back. Um, any, anything else to mention there? Uh, I think the only thing I would add is another callback to Nosferatu where a stranger comes into like a bar or an inn and. Oh asks yeah. Asks about where something is, and he gets cautioned by the locals not to go there. Yeah, that is very similar. Is that that same old trope? Right. Yeah. You think it was a purposeful uh, nod to that, or coincidental? No, I think that's just become a storytelling convention. Tourists, man. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're here in Chicago all the time. You know, I hate it. <laughs> same here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you got that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then, I think we we cut to uh, a scene at like a local church where, um, you know, there's this, this priest named Mateo, he's giving an address uh, about, and he's kind of like talking about, uh, he's, he's talking about like the devil uh, that like lives in the woods. And I think he's using it more, uh, I don't think he's being literal, but I, I think, you know, it kind of like overlaps with the fact that we as the viewer kind of know there's like a devil in the woods somewhere. And um, at this point we're introduced to, um, you know, a, a young girl named uh ushue is that how you pronounce it yeah i think that's about right i can't really remember yeah i think it's around ushue and like she's playing in the forest uh she has a doll uh she's playing with a snake and um she's being hassled by some kids from the church who are like um you know kind of messing around with her and uh i think uh doesn't she kind of like this one kid comes and uh kills like a, a snake that she's playing with and does she like punch his face or something yeah she gets him pretty good yeah which is pretty unexpected uh but, and, and they're making fun of her because uh her mother is dead and because her mother hung herself uh she must be in hell and so yeah. you know yeah she she like basically punches one in the nose and the kid runs off um and then like uh steal, they steal her doll or, or the, and like rip the head off and throw it over the gates of the blacksmith's uh, home. So uh, at this scene, I think we also meet the blacksmith for the first time. Uh, the kids are kind of like playing in the woods, and they see him like from the back rummaging through uh, like leaves and something. I'm not, I'm not sure. Do, could you tell what he was doing out there? I can't remember what he was doing. Yeah, it looked like he was looking for change in the forest or something. That's probably it. Yeah. Melt it down and make a knife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and the kids, like, throw a rock at him, and one hits him, and they start running off, and then the blacksmith, like, picks up a rock and throws it back and, like, nails that kid in the head, which, again, I thought was kind of a funny scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, back, uh, back in town, uh, the kids, the kids run back, but they're like, oh, where's, uh, Ushue, the, the girl, and, um think uh they're like yeah you know she she's still at the she's oh actually i don't know if this is where she had gone actually i think what first happens is back at the town the government agent uh he had a letter from the government i guess and the townspeople found it at this bar and it talks about this pile of gold that went missing and the assumption is that the blacksmith has it and so the agent alfredo uh, convinces the government, the people of the at the bar, to assist him as they go out to capture that gold from the blacksmith. And all the townspeople are pretty wild up about this. 
Um, this part kind of reminded me of Beauty and the Beast, where like the town people are going <laughs> out there. Did, did that, that get yeah. you at all? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> town people rallying up. Um, but yeah, at the same time, Ushue has kind of gone back to the the blacksmith's house because her doll head is like in his property now. Uh, she sneaks into the gate, um, and uh, I think she's hiding there. But while she's hiding there, or either right before that, the townspeople show up there. The like three or four of them, they break into the property. They're like knocking on the door, trying to get in there, and the blacksmith like comes out in this mask. Which I, I thought was kind of a scary mask. It was like a metal face mask. Yeah, uh, it was mask. pretty cool. Yeah, and like a big shield. And he's basically like just kind of deflecting the townspeople, like the three or four of them. Uh, and so like two of them like run away. Uh, one gets caught in this bear trap because the, the blacksmith has like a bunch of bear traps around his property for some reason. And, um, and uh, the blacksmith like comes and you think he's like going to hurt that guy, but he actually opens it. The guy gets up and is like, you know, scared and running, but he like trips and like his head falls into a bear trap. So he's dead. And the guys think like the blacksmiths murdered him. Um, but he takes that body inside and the rest of the town's guys like kind of retreat and run back to the bar. Uh, meanwhile, Ushue is on the property now and she's like hiding under a bridge and sneaks into the house while like the blacksmith is disposing of the body. And she sees a cage in the house that has like a young boy in it, and the boy is asking her to help him get out of there. And she, like you know, the boy's like around her age, and and she Ushue is like what, like five or six? Um, uh, maybe like eight. Maybe eight. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at kids' ages. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she's like, yeah, of course I'm going to help this boy out. And um, the the blacksmith has like come back. He's like passed out after like drinking. She steals the key for the cage and goes and unlocks it. But when she does, the, the kid from the cage like gets out, picks up a pitchfork, and goes to kill the blacksmith. And while he's like getting ready to stab him, he transforms into uh, this devil. And this is kind of the first time we see this guy uh, as the devil. And did, did you think this part was scary at all? Um, no, did you? Uh, no, it was a little suspenseful. Cause it's like the first time we're seeing you know a devil and he's like getting ready to kill someone, um, but yeah, it was it wasn't that scary. Yeah, I guess it's like a, I got a little excited because it was like okay, here it comes like the movie's starting to pick up and then it just it turns into something I wasn't expececting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because yeah, then then it like kind of a fight ensues where like the blacksmith wakes up and the devil like uh, he like get, beats the devil like with with a hammer. And, and this, uh, well, he's not the devil, he's the demon. He's just like some, some random demon. And uh, the demon like grabs the girl and, uh, you know, a fight ensues. And the demon like makes a run for it out the door. And this is, this is kind of what we refer to where as he runs out, he thinks he's getting away and then a bear, bear trap snaps on his feet and uh, he's caught. So at this point, the blacksmith like kind of pulls the demon back in. Uh, chains puts him back in the in the cage that he was in, and uh, the girl who was scared of the blacksmith is kind of warming up to him, and the girl kind of starts talking to the demon, and this kind of turns into like a funny torture scene, where uh, the blacksmith's like talking to the girl about all the things that like torture this demon. So what what were there, Brian? There was like the, the if you if you throw a bunch of chickpeas on the ground, it like drives the demon mad. Yeah, was, that was the big one, and then I, the other big one was if you ring a bell that's been blessed by a priest it will like be horrible to the demon's ears yeah yeah <laughs> so that's kind of a funny scene between the blacksmith and and this girl just torturing the uh, uh the demon uh through these ways and and I, th I think the girl kind of starts to feel bad for like what they're doing and and like eventually like apologizes to the demon yeah yep uh but and the whole time there's this demon it's like it's really good makeup on the demon, and it looks good, but you see the demon's whole body. Yeah. And it's just like a... It, it takes away any fear you would have of this demon. It's just like a... Yeah. It becomes a character in the story. Yeah, and he's like this really crass character that's like swearing and like screaming at the uh, the blacksmith and like kind of arguing with them the whole time. So yeah, the demon yeah. Isn't, a, isn't a very scary demon here. Yeah, I, I do think Gollum is a good comparison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're in upgrading. terms of like, in terms of like the visual and like the, the character that it plays. Yeah, yeah, it seems pretty pretty apt. Um, yeah. yeah, not not a bad comparison there. 
Uh, but yeah, he's he's more like kind of like the side character, like almost kind of humorous at times, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, they torture the Steven, and eventually, like uh, the the black uh, the blacksmith uh, is like, all right, you know, you, uh, tells the girl like it's time for her to go. Uh, there's a scene where like the girl is talking to the demon uh, about like if she, if her mother is in hell and the demon's just kind of like taunting her, being like, yeah, she's down there and it sucks or whatever. Um, so then the the blacksmith is sending uh, Ushue the the girl away, but meanwhile the townspeople have like kind of regathered and reformed and they know like Ushue uh, is captured by the blacksmith or they think she is, and uh, they're like all kind of gathering together into like this party and they're gonna go take on the blacksmith and and save the girl so they get up there but and um but by this time like you know they, they run into the blacksmith on the street and he's like letting ushue go uh they capture him and uh they break into their his house where like they come across the the demon and um you know alfredo the government agents like kind of leading them into this and the, there's a priest with him. The priest is, like, super excited. He's like, oh, my God, we found a demon. I'm going to become, like, the, the next, uh, like, head, head of, uh, uh, oh, shoot, what do you call that guy? What Pope. Do you call Pope, yeah. I'm going to become the next Pope. <laughs> Thanks. And he, he, he's, like, really excited by, by, like, the implications of, like, actually seeing this demon. Um, but Alfredo and, uh, and two other guys kind of, like, kick, the, kick everyone out of there. And they're kind of torturing the blacksmith because they want to find out where the gold is. Um, Alfredo comes and like talks to the demon and the demon's like trying to convince him to let him go. But then it's revealed that Alfredo is actually like this bigger demon who like has a higher ranking than, uh, the one that is captured. And he's kind of like saying like, you've let all of hell down. The devil's disappointed in you. You know, you're kind of a laughing matter. You've been gone for so long. You never came back. You weren't able to come back with a soul. And he's just kind of taunting him and telling him like, I'm not going to free you. I'm just going to go back and let everyone know what a disappointment you are. He tells him he's been demoted. Oh, yeah. He's been demoted to, like, fourth realm or fifth realm or something. Yeah. It's just so weird, some of the stuff in this movie. He tells him he's been demoted, and he's like, demoted to what level? And he's like, fourth yeah. circle. And he's like, oh. Yeah. It's, just like, it's just, like, so weird and I know. jokey and cheesy. Yeah. I, it, it, it feels like a children's movie a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I read that in a lot of places. Like, it, it feels like a children's movie, but it's, like, a little too scary for children, maybe. Uh, yeah, and too violent. Yeah, so it is kind of like a weird middle ground. But I, I don't know. I also think it, it might be, uh, you know, Spanish humor or, or Basque humor. This is kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like playful. That's the tough thing here because there's this culture that we do not understand at all. So, like, I'm judging this movie very much based on my own ideas. And like, <laughs> yeah, based on our American horror backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like our concepts of what's what's funny. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I I thought I thought it was kind of a uh, hilarious, like that whole conversation around being demoted and like in in the kingdom of hell. Uh, it just yeah. felt like very like uh, it, it's almost like when you watch like a a movie of like Wall Street bankers or something, and they're like kind of get wanting one upping each other and stuff. It kind of kind of felt like that. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, sorry, were you gonna say something? No, no. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I think at, at this point we also kind of learned that um, with the backstory behind like how the blacksmith got this um, uh, this this demon. So the blacksmith was the character from the beginning who was one of the prisoners and about to get shot. And at that time, apparently, he traded his soul to the demon uh, so that he could be free. But um, upon returning home, he found out that his wife had just had a kid with someone else because he had been gone for so long. And he got so mad that he killed that uh, the the you know the new husband or whatever, and the wife out of like you know sadness, depression, um, and and uh, you know just after what happened, she kind of hung herself and died. And you kind of learn that the baby that she had is actually Ushue. So Ushue is not his daughter, but what like a stepdaughter? Kind of. Um, his ex-wife's like daughter. His wife's his ex-wife's daughter, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and I think he realizes that too. Um, but yeah, and, and he had gone and like given her to the priest a long time ago. Um, and and then and then uh, he and then he kind of like turned back on his deal with the the devil or the, this demon, and instead like captured him in this um, in this uh, kind of prison. 
so that he couldn't like take his soul back to hell with him. So he kind of backed off on the deal, and and that's why he's been like kind of holding this demon captive uh, for the last eight years. Uh, yep. Yeah. So so now you have Alfredo, who we know is like a, a head honcho demon, uh, in in the the blacksmith's house, and they're torturing the blacksmith, trying to get him to tell him where the gold is. And now the other demon who's in the prison, his name is Sartail, he is freaking out because he just found out he got demoted and he can't let this guy go back to hell and, like, tell everyone what's up. So he convinces the girl to, like, let him free. Uh, or no, sorry, he convinces the girl to help him. He tells the girl to ring this bell really loudly. Cause, and she does that, and Alfredo turns into the, the, the demon that he is because, you know, everyone's... Uh, because the, the noise hurts his ears. Uh, everyone, like, freaks out, the, the guys who are torturing... The blacksmith and like run out of there uh this demon who's now exposed is like this huge demon i don't feel like we get a really good look at him did we um we do but it's like a cgi look yeah um it come becomes cartoony at this point when he very first transforms i feel like it's like a practical effect and it looks really good oh like his face kind of transitioning right yeah but then he grows into this giant monster yeah yep he becomes a giant monster, um, and then uh, once he's a giant monster, like the uh, um, uh, the the girl lets uh, Sartell escape, uh, the other demon. So Sartell like escapes, runs out of there, but again he runs into the bear trap, and and now he's outside getting beat up by a bunch of villagers. The blacksmith wakes up, um, but before he can uh, you know intervene, the girl says to Alfredo, the the super demon. Um, hey, I want to be with my mother. Can you take me to her? Which means, like, can you kill me and take me to hell with you? And he's, like, more than happy to. So he, like, kills uh, the Ushue, the eight-year-old girl, and takes her soul to hell, and, and they both disappear. Um, the blacksmith, like, runs outside to the to Sartail, the other demon, who's caught in the bear trap and getting beat up by the villagers. And he's like, you got to take me to hell because I, I want to, you know, save Ushue. And uh, the demon's like, all right, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take you to, there with me. And at this point, it's revealed that all the gold that the blacksmith had got from the beginning, uh, he he kind of made that into a bell that he had given to the town. Was that right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess the blacksmith would have made it. It was weird. It it was kind of pointless. Like the whole gold thing just didn't even matter. But yeah. Yeah, they they realize that the gold is this giant bell that's been in the town for, for years. Right. Yeah. It was just like painted over. Yeah. Looked like it was whatever metal you make a bell out of. I know. I I I think the blacksmith was behind it. Yeah. (laughs) Bellium. So he he grabs the bell and uh, Sartell, the other demon, kills him. They both go to hell. So he's in hell with like a big bag behind his shoulders. He finds, uh, they're like in this line. I thought the scene of hell was kind of cool. It's like fire all around them. All these like lost souls like being pushed towards like this open door and all these like demons kind of like getting people to march. Uh, were you into this scene at all? Yeah, some of those demons had kind of cool design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of into it. I just had like checked out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, this was probably one of the cooler scenes for sure. Yeah, so yeah, they're they're down in hell. They're being pushed in this line to go into like this uh, fiery spot. He finds Ushue, and uh, you know they're being kind of pushed to the front. And by this time, Alfredo's devil uh, or demon form, who, whose name is like Alistor, uh, like kind of emerges, and he's like this huge demon that like all the other demons are scared of. And he kind of confronts the blacksmith and um, Ushue. And uh, the blacksmith, like, is like takes him on, and, and he throws down a can, which turns out to be empty. Um, I, I didn't understand why, but apparently Ushue had this can full of chickpeas, and she like throws it down in front of him. And the Alistair, this huge demon, like has to like stop what he's doing and just like start counting, really quick. And I think at this time, this gives uh, the blacksmith time to send the girl back with the other demon to the world and like kind of bring her back to life. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and meanwhile, like the blacksmith stays down there and kind of takes on Alistair and, he, and in his bag, he had that huge bell that he had forged and he starts like banging on it, which is, you know, killing the uh, Al- Alistair, the other demon. 
and so you're left with like the blacksmith down there trying to you know take on hell and like uh go find his wife apparently and maybe you mentioned this but before they go down to hell they have the priest bless that giant bell oh no i forgot that that makes a lot more sense on why that bell yeah because then a a blessed bell hurts a demon's ears Mm, interesting in this in this folklore yeah well that makes sense so yeah so the blacksmith stays in hell fights the demons we don't know what happens to him the girl comes back to life and uh the demon like comes up on on earth again and tells everyone like look at this girl as a saint and uh, otherwise i'll be back and I'll, I'll, I'll kill all of you and then he runs off and i think like the last scene is like him getting picked up by a hitchhiker or sorry him hitchhiking getting a ride he's like transformed into this human form and starting to narrate the story of the blacksmith and the demon and i think that's kind of where things end right yep yeah that wraps it up and when he transforms into human form he like runs through the woods like he's still like he did as a demon and it's just like the goofiest thing he's like <laughs> flailing his arms about yeah yeah well yeah he's he's a very goofy demon there's nothing really scary about him and also there's i think two separate times in the movie where as a demon he's like running out of the blacksmith's place to try to escape and they do it in fast motion oh like kind of like a three stooges type thing yeah like a, it's like slapstick it's yeah i was so confused about the tone of this movie yeah yeah well, you know, that's one thing I, I appreciate about, like, Pan's Labyrinth, um, and, and I feel like, you know, these, these movies from, from Spain, or, or I guess, like, from Basque Country, they, they're not like American horror films, like, where they're, like, picking one genre and, like, diving deep into it. They're, they're a lot more, like, rounded, and, and it's hard to, like, uh, even, even, like, I feel like the horror films, like, you have all these elements of, like, humor and fantasy and, like, you know, the, the stories, background stories and, like, war and stuff. Uh, so I, I think that is just kind of like a difference in the horror genre over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just trying to pigeonhole it and say like, you need to comply with these <laughs> like yeah genre standards. Um, yeah. Or like you need to pick a tone or, but at the same time, I'm like, it should have a, a coherent tone. I, I guess maybe it does in hindsight, but it was such a strange tone. It's not like something I've, it's not like many things I've seen before. Yeah. But maybe I really feel in the minority because there are so many people online praising this movie. Yep. That they must all be from Basque Country. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but yeah, yeah, I agree. This one is really hard to like pigeonhole, like figure out where it fits in, and uh, that that part's like really confusing because you never know like what you're supposed to expect or what's going to happen next or what to even compare it against, and I think that kind of unpredictability makes it hard to get like too much buy-in into it yeah yeah i agree i I had i had trouble buying in you know what the tone kind of feels like to me as an extended are you afraid are you afraid of the dark episode oh (laughs) yeah sure like very long (laughs) are you afraid of the dark yeah yeah i mean it was like it very much felt like it was for kids in a lot of ways like almost everything sartail said yeah like at one point he was like cussing and he was like by the tale of belfagor which is just some (laughs) other yeah, a random demon that we don't know, and it was just like, oh my god, he, he, so much of his dialogue was so cheesy. To yeah, me. yep, yeah. Oh, and almost like something you'd expect in like Harry Potter too, uh, like some, yeah. some of these names and, and and the characters and their dialogue. Yeah, but meanwhile, people are getting their heads caught in bear traps and their ears bitten off and spit out. And yeah, it's like got this weird dark side to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that that didn't make this. It made this for a very confusing watch. I definitely agree. Um, so yeah, it wasn't scary. It was hard hard to pick the genre. Uh, what do you think about like the acting? As far as I could tell, the acting I think was good. I, I'll be honest. I have a little trouble determining acting sometimes in foreign language movies with a lot of dialogue because I'm looking at the bottom of the screen a lot more than I'm looking at their like yeah facial expressions. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I could tell a big difference when I switched from English to to the Basque uh, language and the authenticity of the uh, expressions that were being there. But but yeah, you're right. It kind of see it's hard to watch both. Um, yeah. From a storyline perspective, though, I also agree with you that you don't really need the gold storyline in this. Like, it could have just been about Ushue being captured and the townspeople going to find her. I, I don't know what value the gold brought to it. Yeah, they could have just let the gold be a premise for why um, that guy from the government who turned out to be the 
higher up demon was there. Like, you didn't need to resolve that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I saw this movie get a lot of praise for, like, the production values and the special effects and the set design. Mm-hmm. And just the visuals in general. How did how did you feel about that? Yeah, I, I liked them. I it didn't feel too CGI, and uh, a lot of it felt practical. But t- towards the end, I, I even like kind of enjoyed that that hell scene and, and like the concept of hell as they talked about it. So I, I I thought those were well done. What what did you think? Yeah, I think they were too. They were well done too. Uh, I think for me, it was just like like I said, I checked out, so I was I stopped appreciating things, unfortunately, yeah. which is shame on me. But, uh, yeah, I can't argue with that. The effects and the design was good. Yeah, the production felt pretty good on this one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it took me, like, four times to get through this. Like, I had to watch it in, like, breaks because uh, I, you know, I, was, I was pretty checked out of it, too. Not going to lie. Yeah. Um, any, anything else stand out to you or worth mentioning? Um, I think that's all I got, really. Yeah. Um, was it, uh, I know, like, one thing we've talked about scary films is, like, it usually helps when, like, there are moments of levity and it, funnier moments. I think this one had those, but it didn't have the opposite with the moments of fear or panic that would have, like, been a nice balance. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Get out. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I thought the characters were all done. How many, uh, zero to five... How many uh, doll heads would you give this one? You know, I feel bad about this, but I only give it one. Wow. That might be like one of your lowest. It is. I, for some reason, I just did not like this movie. I felt like it was just so cheesy. Yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah, How about you? I, I agree. Uh, I, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I agree like in, in terms of like a horror context, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't scary and um you know it, it, it wasn't like the, it was tough to be too engaged with but i do feel like it was pretty good storytelling in terms of like the depth the characters the acting the production so for that i think i'll have to give it at least like uh two heads all right yeah that's fair yeah so, yeah i feel like i might be a unique in, in rating this so low <laughs> yeah yeah no. i almost want to watch it again just knowing what i'm getting into and <laughs> yeah <laughs> Maybe a good one to watch with the family. Yeah. <laughs> Just to uh, cover the eyes at certain parts. It is kind of like weirdly family friendly, but yeah. yeah. It's TVMA, <laughs> the rating uh, on Netflix. Cheesy so. MA. <laughs> TVMA. Oh, you know, TVMA. A little mature rating. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Cheesy MA indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw that uh, TVMA. Isn't TVMA like the highest you can go or is there more? I think that's the highest you can go. Uh, Netflix doesn't have like an X category rating TV max not that I'm aware of yeah I think you're right well yeah yeah if, if, if there was one I feel like Terrifier would have in that one for sure for sure yeah yep. uh, cool well uh, anything else uh, for, for this episode uh, yeah well first of all speaking of our 1 to 5 rating I know we did a bit of a push for this at the beginning of the podcast but if you're listening and you like the show, or even if you don't like the show, we would really appreciate it if you would go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a star rating and maybe a review. Or if you don't listen on Apple, do it on whatever app you listen on. That would be a big help for us. And since this is coming out, we're a little late because this is going to come out after Thanksgiving. But I wanted to give some thank yous from both Ashwin and myself to people who have helped the podcast. Uh... First of all, thanks to our friend Alex, who kind of acted as a consultant for us when we were first starting the show. He was our first test listener that wasn't one of our wives and gave <laughs> us feedback and helped us shape the show. Uh, and for our Northeast Ohio listeners, Alex owns a bar in Cleveland called Jukebox, which is amazing, and you should check it out. And he also newly owns a yoga studio, a brand new yoga studio in Cleveland called Everybody Yoga. Oh, cool. I so didn't know that. Go check both of those out. Yeah, I didn't know if I don't know if you even know about the yoga studio, Ash. No, no, that sounds awesome. Let's yeah. check that out. Yeah. And let's see, I wanna thank Joanna, who's a childhood friend of my wife's, who was kind of a podcast mentor to us and gave us tips on exactly how to do this, a lot of the technical stuff and just best practices she has a fitness and nutrition podcast called just one more uh it's very down to earth and reasonable health and fitness tips so check that out 
And then thanks to all the podcasts that we've connected with on Twitter and who have shown support for us. So the Blood Buddies, Masters of the Nerdiverse, AIPT Podcast, Faux Fright. I think there's a few more, but go check out those podcasts. And last but not least, just thanks to our friends and family who listen. And thanks very much to those of you who listen that don't know us. That in itself is something we didn't even think would happen. So that's pretty special for us. For sure. Yeah. And Anybody else we should thank, Ashwin? Yeah, and I'd also like to thank all the uh, the co-hosts that we have had, special guests that have joined us uh, these past few months, like Amy Arcos, uh, Jason Seguera, and Stephen Markley. It's, uh, we've been lucky to have some pretty cool guests on. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully we can keep that going. Uh, we should probably thank our wives, too, for their support and for watching TV <laughs> at reasonable volumes while we <laughs> record. <laughs> Picking up Frasier in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, and we hope that everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, all, all your guys' support and everything. Cool. All right, Indeed. well, uh, anything else, Brian? That's all I got. All right, well, uh, this is it for that episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our co- conversation about Erementary, um, which I don't know if we mentioned, but I think the translation is the devil and the blacksmith. Brian, is that actually what Erementary means? Uh, Arimentary is the Basque word for the black for blacksmith. Oh, but then they kind of uh, did a not a subtitle, but for Netflix, it's colon the blacksmith and the devil. Mm, okay, got it. That makes sense. All right. Well, if you want to join our discussion, we encourage you to follow us, the Horror Movie Club podcast, on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy Mae Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, make sure you always carry a bag of chickpeas on you, because you never know when you're going to run into a demon. <laughs>